Well, good morning. So uh, we are in a series called Fired Up this summer, and uh, each pastor that comes up to speak, we've got some from inside the body and some from outside the body. We're talking about things that fire us up, but things that need to fire us up as a body as well. And Lord, help us to be fired up about these things. You know, last week we were uh, talking in First Peter chapter 1 about a call to holiness, a call to follow after Jesus Christ, not just saying, hey, thanks for the sacrifice you've gone through. Um, now I'm going to continue to live life for me. But instead, Lord, thanks for what you've done. What can I now do to thank you with my life? A call to holiness. Uh, this week we're looking at kind of a second part to that, really. It's, uh, you know, if we're going after this call to holiness, we need to grasp that it's actually a teamwork job. He does not call us to holiness as an individual task, but instead, Scripture says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. A part of our offering vertically to him is that we lock arms horizontally with one another and we run together after what we're going for there, holiness before him. It's actually something that isn't necessarily all that favorable to talk about in group settings, that we actually have a job together to work together to run for holiness. And, you know, it's why we here at Harvest are very serious about it, like with our impact groups. We spend time together with um, accountability and prayer time, talking through the needs that we might have as individuals and how we together can lock arms together and run with all we've got towards him. Hear me on this. This isn't a message I'm going to preach today, but I want you to hear this caveat. Life change is not all about just me putting effort out. And all of God's people said, yeah, it's not about me muscling it. It's about God transforming me as I let him work. And that's a different message for a different day. There is also, though, another side to it, which is our cooperation with him. As he's working, Lord, how do you want me running with you? That's what we're talking about today, all right? The cooperation with the Holy Spirit as he works with us. We've got some steps to take. So the questions we could ask are, well, what's my individual responsibility? And and what's our corporate responsibility? How do we have this teamwork that heads towards holiness? That's the question we're answering today. So turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15. we got ushers coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. So if if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Just raise your hand, and they'll get a Bible to you if you need one. Matthew 18, we're starting in verse 15. This is really a four-step process to holiness within the church. In fact, it's all about teamwork that delivers holiness within the church. Teamwork. So step one, approach privately to call for change. If they turn, celebrate. Approach privately to call for change. If they turn, celebrate. Now, we're going to be jumping into Matthew 18, verse 15, but it's in a context. It's in a flow here, so let's make sure we understand the flow. The passage right before it is talking about the parable of the lost sheep. There's this discussion going on of a hundred sheep that a shepherd may have. And and what if one of those goes away? And how much would a loving shepherd go off to get a hold of the one? You don't just hang on and go, eh, 99 is not bad. I'll just hang with that. That's not loving. That's not shepherding. Instead, we go after the one who has drifted away. That's the context. Christ now enters Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 with these words. 
If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Step one, it's a personal call to personally go and talk with another person one-on-one and help him out. All right, so let's just break it down. If, so it's conditional. If what? If your brother sins, all right? So if there's a mistake made, notice the word sin here. It it literally means to have missed the mark, to have come up short of God's holiness. It's not a great definition or a description of who God is at all, this action you seem to have. You, You seem to be missing God Almighty, and you're executing something much short of Him. And that's what it looks like. And we can describe it in a variety of ways within our marriage, within the maybe the way we use our tongue, within the things we're watching, the things we're thinking, a variety of aspects where we're constantly going after things that are less than what God's all about. And we're missing it. That's what sin is, okay? If a brother sins. Now, the word brother here is used. That's just sort of like this abstract term to collectively reflect on all of humanity, all right? It means all of us. Ladies, you're included in this. It's not like, guys, this is just for us today. This is for all of us, all right? If a brother or sister is really the implied here, sins, then we've got a duty. We've got a job to do. Uh, go and tell him his fault. Oh, that sounds like fun. Right. That's what all of us love to do, don't we? Let's pick a person out, a friend, and let's make sure we approach them and say, hey, I'm concerned about a few things. And can we talk? Can't we just go out for ice cream and relax? And why doesn't it say if a brother or sister sins, wait. And if they ask you anything, then maybe if you've got the guts, talk to them. Why doesn't it say that? That's more where I'm at today, Tim. Yeah, I understand. And and it is hard at times for us to approach people and talk with them. I'm telling you, the right spirit brings us to this position. So here's the spirit. Make sure you have a spirit of love. Like, I want the best for you. A spirit of love and also a spirit of compassion, like wherever you're at right now, it isn't in a good spot because you're choosing things that are blowing you up. And I care too much to let this go. I'm telling you, somehow in American society, we have defined it as leave the person in their muck and let them blow up. It's very loving. Really? Like to be able to struggle for a lifetime with something when the guy next to you is like, I know, I saw that. I just didn't bring it up because I didn't want to offend you. That's not love. Lord, help us to be the shepherd that reaches out to that one who's lost. The one in 99. May we reach out in care. If a brother or sister sins, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone. Privately, you were a witness You've seen it. Now, some of you notice I skipped a phrase there. If a brother or sister sins against you, okay? And some versions have that phrase against you in there and some don't. There are some manuscripts that have added that in. It looks like the earliest manuscript does have it, but then there's some that don't. And so some of the translations have it and some don't. Let me just tell you this. It doesn't really change the significance because here's why. Bottom line is, if you personally were sinned against... Well, you're responsible. Get to them and talk to them. Like, what went down, man? It, it hurt me. The way you said that, it, like, this is, this is how I felt when. This is what happened when. Dot, dot, dot. 
that we're responsible for that. But it may not have been directly to you, and there may not have been somebody directly seen in it. You're just there. You're a witness as he goes off, and it's not against you, but you're there. You still have the responsibility to weigh in, all right? And so keep this in mind. If we're seeing something happen, the person who's most responsible to weigh in first is the one who was sinned against. And we go out from there. Okay? Does that make sense? And all of God's people said, yeah, something. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to say that. Yes. Say yes. I'm supposed to be in on this. I'm ready to go, God. I hear you. You've got a call for me. Between you and him alone, uh, if he listens, you have gained your brother. Uh, hear me on this. This is a four-step process, and each step ends with either you going forward to the next step because they would not listen, or you're done, celebrate, because they did listen. Picture the prodigal son and his father, and as he's coming back and he is meeting his father in the field, the father didn't come up to him in the field and say, Stop. Are you kidding me? Do you know what you made me look like these last years? You just hang right here for a little while. I have to think about it and move away. That's not what he did, right? Instead, it was the open arms. It's this big embrace. It's this huge laughter. It's it's prepare for a party. My son, he's home. And we're going to celebrate. It's about a love and a compassion for the best for them. That's what it looks like. An immediacy and a willingness to celebrate. That's the first step. Now... Question, have you ever noticed this? The typical step that we take in America. Well, first, we've been wronged against, so we begin to brood on it. We think on it. How dare they? Can you believe that they said that to me? Can you believe that they did that in my presence? How dare they? Right? First, we brood on it. We we ponder it deeply. The next step is we turn to the guy next to us, not the one who did the wrong, and we're like, hey, You know what so-and-so did? This is what they did to me. Can you believe that? And they're like, no. Are you serious? And you're like, yes. I'm not kidding. That's what they did. They said this. You're kidding. How unfair. I know. That's what I'm saying, right? How unfair. And we begin to build a little team camaraderie on my side, like a little pity party for me kind of thing, right? And like, I knew I was right. And so we kind of brood on it a little bit more. And then finally, we sort of get to a point where we're like, enough people are on my side. I guess I feel okay with this. So I'm not going to say anything. And so now I just kind of let it subside. And they were wrong. And, and I'm right. And people love me. And I'm good. And so we just go on our way. And question, is that biblical? Oh, that's a weak answer. Is that biblical? Yeah, it's not biblical, right? That's blow up time. That's where we get into bitterness. That's where we get into a lack of forgiveness. And we're missing step one. Go to them and carefully and gently share with them. And yeah, well, I'm a little bit afraid of doing that, Tim. I got to tell you, I'm not even sure how to do that. Okay. So, six steps to approaching somebody and confronting them. Here we go. Step number one. How do I even know when to approach them? I just put this tag on here. Uh, If you're seeing it to be harmful or habitual, okay? Harmful or habitual, meaning you're seeing them sort of regularly falling into this thing or it's really big enough that it's like blow up time. It might be the first time, but, you know, it's like you're, you're seeing them. They're decided they're going out to have an affair and like you're not going to wait for that to get habitual. You hear what I'm saying? It's done. It's one and over. We're going to go out. OK, 
Harmful or habitual? The reason I say habitual in there is this. Otherwise, every single little thing that ever is done wrong, you're constantly going, ah, 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 oh, ah, 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 right? And all of a sudden, you spend so much time pointing out everybody else, you're not even looking at you. Be very careful. Proverbs comes alongside and sort of balances this, and it says, remember that it's actually to your honor to be forbearing in the midst of a transgression. And so there's a balance here. It's not every single little moment of every single thing, but I'm telling you, once it gets to that level of you've seen it repeated a couple of times and they seem to be falling into it, this is a regularity. We better get after it. And, and, or, you know what? This is bad enough. It's going to blow them up. That's when you approach. All right. Now you're processing. Is that what they're doing? That person I'm thinking about right now? Maybe I'm off the hook. All right. Number two. Uh, if you're not off the hook, come with a gentle tone, gentle words. Gentle, all right? Galatians 6.1. You're not coming ticked off. You're not coming fed up. You're coming because you love them and you care about them and you want the best for them. Gentle words. Galatians 6.1. Uh, number three, you're only going to talk about the facts, not the assumptions. The facts, not the assumptions. Uh, in other words, what you begin to talk about here is not, well, it seemed like you were thinking, don't get there. All right. This is what I saw you do. This is what I heard you say. Just stay in the facts. All right. The bottom line is you're going to very quickly get to be judging the heart if you move off of that. And the heart is deceitful above all things, yours included. And so now we're sitting there like, I know exactly what's wrong inside of you. I just can't figure me out. Right. That's really not the place where we need to be. Just help them know the facts of what's going on. May the scripture and the facts talk. Uh, Number four, listen well. You might be surprised what really happened. Okay, listen well. Make sure you're hearing along the way. So if harmful or habitual, gentle, make sure it's about the facts. Listen well. Number five, uh, close with a call for apology and repentance. Like it's not enough to just say, I just want you to know this is what I saw go down. And dude, that's just not where God wants you to be. And, and so make this change. That's really what's needed. And then we walk away. And then they're left standing. They're like, okay, now what? Like I'm telling you, give them the on-ramp back to relationship with Christ, okay? It's close this thing down. It's I'm sorry specifically for, right? So go horizontal with that, apologizing to who you need to apologize to, and then go vertical. Lord, please forgive me. I'm wrong. I'm done with it. Thank you for your shed blood on the cross that covers everything. And I so trust in you as my Savior, and I'm now back on track. Please hear me on this. This are the steps that we go through with a brother, someone who trusts in Christ as their Savior, a brother or sister. This is not any old person out on the street. Like I'm telling you, if somebody's struggling with sin and they don't know Christ, forget about these steps. This is not where you go. That's a message for a different day, and it's all about share the gospel. We have a Savior who's paid the price for us. His name is Jesus Christ, and we love him with all we've got. And all of God's people said, hey, we do not preach holiness to an unsaved group of people. That is not what it's about. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, forget about it. You don't earn your way into heaven. 
with salvation being all about works. It's our Savior, Jesus Christ, and His shed blood. But if you have embraced His shed blood, if you trust in Him as your Savior, if you're asking for Him to forgive you of your sins, then after that, as a thank you offering to Him, not even to keep the salvation, He gives it rich and free, just to say thank you. Our job is going after the holiness and reflecting Him. And as we do that, this is a way to go after it, all right? So coming to a brother or sister, making sure you share, making sure we close it out with an apology and repentance. And then the last one, the sixth step, forbearance. Uh, you're going to see it again. Look, if this sin was big enough and bad enough that it came up repeatedly in their life, they're going to do it again. Luke 17, verse 3. It says, if somebody comes to you and repents seven times in a day, you, re- you release them and forgive them each time. All right. Seven times in a day. Just think about that. So you're awake for, I don't know, 14 hours, 16 hours and uh, and seven times. So like every hour and a half to two hours, you do the same sin. That was Jesus example. We're talking like every hour and a half. The guy just keeps falling down every time. Release, forgive and move forward. Okay, are you hearing it? Forbearance. It's being willing to run with them as they learn to manage whatever needs to change in their life. Lord, help them see what they need to let go of. Okay? That's six tips for confronting. Gentleness, directness, factually, with some forgiveness and repentance in there. A lot of forbearance on your part. All right? That's a lot of love going on. I'm telling you, God can do amazing things in this body if we work with him. So I was in seminary class, and uh, we were going through pastoral theology. And uh, the question was uh, posed to us, how many of you believe in Matthew 18 and actually would walk it through in your church? And none of us are pastors yet. We're just in seminary. And But there's 12 or 13 of us. Actually, one guy was a pastor at that point. And uh, there's 12 of us. And they said, uh, how many would do this? And two of us raised our hands. Yeah, we would walk through this. And, and so he says, okay, to the other 10 of you, why wouldn't you? Uh, it's just not cool culturally. That's not what you do nowadays. It's, I mean, they put culture above scripture, okay? I'm just telling you, that's scary stuff to me. And, and so the, the prof was actually floored. He's like, why are you here? We're studying the Bible and figuring out how to do what it says. It's scripture first. Culture gets shaped, okay? Guys, you need to be doing this, all right? And we're going to walk it through. Now, next question. How many of you have been through church discipline? Okay, that's the phrase that gets used for this Matthew 18 passage, church discipline. How many of you have been through it? And, and uh, well, none of us raised our hands. We're looking around like, are you kidding? We're all in seminary, man. What are you talking about? And, and then he goes, you're all lying. And we're like, uh, not intentionally. What are you talking about? He said, just so you know, every step of Matthew 18 is church discipline. And the most church discipline that should take place in an environment like the church is step one. Somebody's wrestling with sin and a friend comes alongside and says, hey, I'm praying for you. Just want to let you know I've seen this. I'd love to be working with you on it. Let's see this get right. The number one step for holiness teamwork within the church, it comes right 
from our impact groups, from our friendships and relationships as we spend time coming alongside of one another. Be real with each other. I mean, even sharing with somebody, hey, this is what I'm wrestling with. Can you be praying for me in this? I got a problem with it that needs to be broken, and I mean now. Build the teamwork right away. Don't wait for him to even come to you. Just lay it out on the line. And Lord, help me be real on this. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. All right? That's step one. It's the biggest one. So here's my question. Uh, what do you need to be letting go of? What sin do you have grasped in your life that you're stumbling on? That you're tripping on? What sin needs to be dropped? And I mean today. Get a hold of it. Now who can you take that to? Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's somebody within an impact group. By the way, for those of you new around here, that's our small groups, okay? We call them impact groups. And, like, join with us. Who can you share with to get real on that and get it done? All right, the next question. Who do you know who's struggling with something and you see it? And you know what's going on. And you haven't been saying anything. Who do you need to be reaching out to with love and gentleness to just let them know you care about them? And you're praying for them that God might get the greater glory. Reaching out with these six steps, I want to help you through this tough time. All right? That's step one. Step two. Approach with several others to again call for change. If they turn, celebrate. Approach with several others. Remember, you do not go to step two if they turned in step one, right? We do not go to step two if they turned in step one. The whole point here is be able to win a heart to him. The whole point here is to be able to love them enough to win a heart to them. And if they're one, you're done. All right. Our goal is to win a heart to him. Can I keep saying it enough? What's our goal? To win a heart to him, to love him with all we've got, to win a heart to him. Once won, you're done. All right? So step two is if they did not respond, then approach with several others. Notice what it says, verse 16. But if he does not listen, uh, bummer. Okay, that means you've told him, you've shared with him, and he's like, yeah, I don't think so. You know, like, I, I, I see you having a struggle with... There seems to be this anger display that goes on and you blow up and I, and he's like, what? I don't get angry. Blind spot. You know what I'm saying? Like, how about now? This isn't angry. I'm just talking a little louder. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden they have explanations and excuses. They don't want to listen to it and they don't want to hear it. And, and they're ranting and they're temper tantrums and yeah, they don't want to define it that way. And if he doesn't listen... Take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he's not going to just admit it, well, then we need to bring some witnesses to build some proof. Hey, this is God's method, not ours. Okay? So right now, for those of you who are really steeped in culture, you're like, whoa, this sounds harsh. Like we're going to bring another couple of people into this talk. And remember, this is God's plan for holiness. Let's make sure we let his word speak to us and we just follow faithfully, gently, but faithfully through what he calls us to. 
Okay, so remember, where two or three witnesses can establish the truth. I'm just going to throw this out here. Second Corinthians 13, 1 says you establish the truth by two or three witnesses. This is all over scripture. Witnesses is a big deal. Okay, it's why we in the court of law, we have witnesses. But to establish the truth, it's, it's a big part of the process. Where we can get multiple agreement going on, we're starting to get closer to the truth. So notice what he says here. Um, take one or two along so that you might get to that position. I just got a question for you. Picture how that happens. How do you end up with two or three friends getting together to talk about this problem with this person and you didn't gossip? I'll let that one settle for a moment. Think about it. How in the world did I get from me knowing to multiple of us knowing and approaching without gossip? Okay, well, here's the deal. First, let's define gossip. All right. Gossip is probably best defined as talking about somebody else and their junk with absolutely no goal for trying to help repair. You're just talking about it. In fact, you may even be talking about it just to make yourself feel a little better. Can you believe that so-and-so did dot, dot, dot? Can you believe that? I mean, what do you think of that? And they're like, I know. I can't believe. I saw that last week. With And then you sip your tea, and you talk a little bit more, and drink your little Starbucks cup, and then you go away with absolutely no goal of doing anything about approaching them and helping them. Oh, and by the way, please don't say, well, we're praying for him. More gossip has been done in the name of prayer. Okay, praying is great, and we're going to get to that at the end of this of this session today. But I'm telling you this, prayer is not the end of your responsibility. Approaching them is, all right? So the way we get this done is we absolutely step up to saying to a very select few people, and you might even need to pray about who that would be, the one or two people, Lord, who do you want me going to? And it's, I know you've seen this, right? Help me out here. Like, I've approached him one-on-one, and he's going nowhere. Have you approached him one-on-one? They may have said, yes, I have. and Or they may say, no, I haven't. And either way, you say, look, I already have, and he's not turning. Will you join with me? Let's sit down with him and love on him. Let him know how much we care. Let her know how much we care. That we might bring to their mind the blind spot that seems to be blowing them up. Let's love on him. It's a very important talk that does not end with chat. Please hear me. If you're chatting about everybody's mistakes and you're never confronting them, you're gossiping. Can I say that more firmly? If you're chatting and never confronting on it, you're gossiping. Stop talking and stop receiving it. The only time you talk about it is when you literally say, I'm in. Let's go talk to him. Let's talk this thing out. Everybody hear me? All of God's people said... Yeah, right. (laughs) I'm telling you, this is a big deal. These are hard ones. Get ready. We're going to need to walk through this together, all right? If he does not listen, take one or two along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Hey, let me tell you something. My uh, daughter, Megan, runs cross country. And, uh, okay, I'll be honest. Two years ago before she started running cross country, I did not understand that sport. I would have probably used a word like stupid. Okay? What? I don't get it. 
and like you're running around in the woods, up and down hills, kind of by yourself, and, and people stand at the end, and like you're sort of cheering along, and, and all of a sudden they pop out and they end. And, and like that's it. It's not even on a track where you can see them or something. Like I didn't quite understand it. And then when she started running cross country, my whole view changed. Cross country is probably one of the coolest team sports I've seen. And why? Because, you know what, like there's 25 girls, I think, on the Morton Cross Country team. And all of them run. The top six count. Okay? Which top six? Whichever top six turn in the fastest time that day. So it's not even like your hand selecting. You're all in. Run with all you have. And the top six will score for us as a team. But here's what it looks like as they're running. As they're running past someone, they're like, come on, you can do it. Keep going. Let's go. Move it. And they're running on past. And the next person coming along, and there's people all along the sides cheering for them and crying for them. And as the top ones finish fast, right, they don't go off to a corner and sit down and, like, pat themselves down and wait for people to come to them and say how great they are. They get back out on the side, and they're cheering them. You can do it. Come on. Run better. Run stronger. And all of a sudden, they're starting to give directions. And I'm like, I don't even know what it means. Stride out. Stride out. That means something. Stride out. Yeah. Move your arms more. Swing your arms. Loosen up. You're too tight. Come on. And all of a sudden, you see the kids speed up. You're like, dang, that was good, man. It was good advice. These guys know what they're doing. They're there for each other. It's team work through the midst of it. We're in a race. We're in a race in this life to show glory to God Almighty that he might be transforming us as we go along. Do not run it alone. Amen? That's what we're talking about. Run it as a team. Cheering as you go. Locking arms with them as you go. When you feel like your leg of the race is done, turn around and start cheering them on. Get beside the people around you. May God get the glory. That's what we're talking about. Teamwork. Holiness. So again, I ask, who is it you can be going after? Or maybe you even need to get a couple of people together because you've done the one-on-one. And it's time to challenge and say, Lord, we want to see him run in the race with you. We want to see him excited about this race and seeing you doing something in their life like never before. May God get the glory. Who is that? And who are those couple of people you might go to? Maybe I'll just put another challenge on here. Maybe you're talking too much. And it's time to stop talking because that's gossip. And start coming alongside. May God get the greater glory. Uh, My senior pastor up north, uh, when I was on staff at Harvest Naperville, said it this way. My goal is not that they would be my friend in the next five minutes. That would be great. But that's not my goal. My goal is five years from now. That you would feel loved and cared for enough to be able to look back and see this impact as God-given. That's what it's all about. May God get the greater glory, all right? So step one, go one-on-one. Step two, maybe bring a couple with you. Step three, uh, the elders then approach to share concern and a call to change. If they turn, celebrate. Did you notice I keep putting in there, if they turn, celebrate. Like this thing stops the moment you get victory. The moment they respond, you're done. All right? But the elders now approach. Notice what it says here. If he refuses to listen, tell it to the church. 
If he refuses to listen, tell it to the church. Now, the word church there literally means called out ones. Those who believe in Jesus Christ, trust in him as Savior. It's his shed blood covering them. Their faith in him has saved them. Those people are the church. Okay, tell it to the saved ones. Well, I thought you said just tell it to the elders. Yeah, here's why. We're going to ask for tell it to the church in two steps here. All right? If we don't do this, you can get chaos. Okay, all of a sudden, you're trying to sell, sort of tell the whole church, and how do you do that? And how are you going to organize it? And so our request is bring the elders in. Let us put form and function to it. Let us make sure there's integrity with it. And as we bring it out, we bring it out wisely and well. All right? So it comes to the elders. If you have wrestled with something uh, with a person individually, uh, small group leaders, hear me on this. If you have wrestled with someone in your group who's got something going on and you're not bringing others alongside of it, be careful. Those are bad moments. If you're carrying it alone and you're leaving them alone, it's bring two or three. If that's not working and they won't drop it, then it is going up into pastoral staff. If it's in your impact groups, get to Mike. If it's through some counseling element, get to Steve. If it's broad-based adult stuff, get to me or Kent, right? Let's just talk this thing through. Let's come alongside. Why? Because we love you. We love you. We love you. It is all about your victory and your joy in Jesus Christ. And we want to be there with you, all right? So bring it to the elders. I'm just going to put a couple of uh, things of flesh on this, all right? Uh, What do we go through when we're talking as elders? Well, our goal is this. Uh, We want to make sure the biblical position is understood. Is this sin or isn't this sin? What makes this wrong or right in God's eyes? Number two, let's get the actual facts. One of the first things we do when we're sitting down with somebody in this moment, we're calling them in. We elders meet on Wednesday nights. We usually call them in to sit with us. There's a group of five elders and just come sit with us that Wednesday night, six o'clock usually. That gives us a chance to pray ahead of time and be prepared as they come in. And we sit down and we talk it out together. Give us the facts of where we're at. What was going on? Do you understand what scripture says? We understand you've been approached by one person and now even by two people or three. Is that true? And what's your position? Okay. We're just trying to get things clear. And then do you understand what scripture says? Is that clear? And then the last one, let's make sure we get the proper steps understood for where we're headed next. That's our goal. That's what we're sitting down to do. I'm telling you, if you come and say, I want to get the elders on this. I see somebody in sin. Our question is going to be, have you gone one-on-one with them? Well, no. I don't want to really do that. I feel like that's a pastor's job. Uh, Is that biblical? Is that biblical? It's not. So coming to get an elder or a pastor to do the dirty work, right? I don't want to do that. They're my friend. I'm going to let you do that. And that's not actually what Scripture calls for. And we're actually going to send you back in saying, you need to go talk to them. There's got to be a one-on-one and then a two-on-one before the elders are coming into play. All right? That's how we walk through it. And then the last step I just say is you're kind of going, wow. Like, you guys kind of take this seriously, huh? Uh, yeah, Hebrews 13, 17. You don't have to look there. You might want to write it down. Hebrews 13, 17. The first part of it says, submit yourselves to the leaders that are in charge. That's nice. Uh, but the second part is what I'm really getting at. Uh, it says, because they will have to be held accountable for the shepherding that they give in the church. We give account. Did you know that? 
I literally will be standing before God Almighty, before Jesus Christ, giving account for the shepherding of this place. I'm telling you this. I will absolutely be saying we tried to run it according to your word as much as we understood every single time. That's where we're going. We take it very seriously. God wants this place shepherded. He wants this place loved. He wants you growing vibrantly. And we're here for you. We want to love you through the whole thing. Let's see God lifted up. Amen? That's what we're talking about. Sometimes it brings tears. All right, step three. That's the uh, the elders approaching. My question is, you might say, well, do you have any examples, Tim? Uh, yeah, and I'm not sharing them here. Right? Uh, yeah, we've had a handful of times where we've gotten to this level. Uh, I will tell you that most of the time we get to this level, when we ask somebody to come in, uh, if they come in, there's usually a really good shot. We've got a chance of working together, and we can begin to work things out. Showing up to talk to the elders, uh, is it can be a, a little bit intimidating, and we understand that. We're not trying to be intimidating. Please hear me. Our goal is in no way to be intimidating. We love you like crazy. We are following God's steps, okay? So come join us. Let's see what we can do together. The steps together can be scary. They can be tough, but God works through them. For those who have shown up, we've seen great things happen where they come out of it really excited about going after something new. doesn't mean it's done. It doesn't mean there's not a lot of trips and stumbles, but it does mean that they've got a direction and a path and we're with them. Uh, we have had several who said, no, I won't come in. I won't change. He told me to. I wouldn't. They told me to. I wouldn't. You're calling me. I think I know what you're going to say. And, and so on. So I'm not coming in. And, and, and so they don't. And they exit the church. And, and so we're in an awkward spot where we're kind of stuck, stuck in step three. And just so you know, this is one thing we do, just so you've heard this. Uh, if we're at a point where they will not respond to elders and they are exiting at that point, we do write a registered letter and we send it out to them. Registered meaning they have to sign for it, meaning we know they got it then. And it just explains our position and what we understand to be true. If we need to be corrected in that, we're open to it. But here's our understanding of what's going on and biblically what needs to take place. And we're asking you to come back through elders. If you're going to come back to this church, we need you to come through elders that way. All right? Just so you know, that's the step we take. Okay? We're very serious about walking this together. That's step three. Step four. The elders take the challenge to the broader body to inform and call for holiness. The elders take the challenge to the broader body to uh, inform and call for holiness. Remember, it just said, take it to the church. It's coming right off of that in verse 17, but it says more. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, uh, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. So two things to this, okay? Number one is it does need to be brought to the broader body. Uh, as this body has grown in size, here's a position that we've taken. We are not going to come out and say to 1,500 people plus, uh, hey, here's what's going on. And, and reading it out, uh, we've got a small number in membership, smaller number than that. It's around, what, 450 or somewhere in there, coming up on 500 in membership. Uh, so what we're going to actually do instead of announcing it to a broad 1,500 is we're going to go to the groups of people we know they're hanging with, that they're a part of, to their serving teams, to their impact group, to their friendship groups. And we're letting them know that ahead of time. We're just going to sit down with these guys. We'd love for you to be there with us. We just want this whole thing made clear. We're just walking through the process as God calls it. I'm telling you right now, your stomach's turning. 
If you're used to an American culture, you're like, you're kidding me. Like, why aren't we just letting them live in it and just whatever happens, happens. And because God's got a bigger plan than that. And here's the key. We usually say, uh, I think I can be more merciful than God. And now is the moment where we say it. When it has to become tough love, we think our mercy call is better than God's call. Be very careful, okay? Our request is trust the process and trust God Almighty in the process to be calling people to a wake-up call, all right? You know, he tells us in 1 Timothy 5, 19 and 20, he talks about challenging people in a public way like this that everyone understands the severity of sin and the necessity of going after holiness. God did not die on the cross for nothing. He's got a process going on in our lives. May we honor him in it. It's a sobering thought, but a real thought. Notice it says, treat him as a Gentile or a tax collector, meaning like this isn't home for them. They're not taking part in communion. They're not a part of the impact groups. They're not serving on our serving teams. That's where we're at, okay? And if we're in a spot where they refuse to even listen to eldership, I refuse to hear anything you have to say. I don't want to follow you. I don't want to listen to you. I'm done. Then we're in a spot where we do need to say, at the moment, this is not home. That's a tough moment. And I'm telling you, it's not a moment we like to be in. We are not in this moment with anybody that we have right now. Okay? But we are in a couple of spots with a couple of people where they've left. We have registered letters. They're not coming to the church. That kind of thing. Never have we at this point had to say to somebody, don't come to the church. We're not in that spot. I'm telling you, this is something that is reserved for the almost never. So step one, almost always. Step two, a lot of times. Step three, rarely. Step four, hasn't happened yet. Okay? Just hear me on that. There's a balance to this. You could walk out hearing step four more than step one, and then you're a little wigged. And all of God's people said, <laughs> right? I hear you. I understand. This is a big process, but we need to be godly in it. May he be lifted up, all right? That's what we're going after. We have a very important call. It's simply this, that he might truly be glorified as people turn towards him, all right? Uh, so that was step four. My simple statement at the end of it is this. Um, we need your help. Steps three and steps four need your help big time. Because if you don't trust where leadership's going, if you don't hear our heart in this, if you don't see us as loving them with all we've got, if you believe your mercy call is bigger than God's love, then all of a sudden we've got a conflict going in the body and you're not trusting where we're headed. Know this. We are carefully gently walking through Matthew 18 with all we've got. All right? And the last step. Along the way, gather and pray that God may work. Along the way, gather and pray that God may work. Notice what it says here. Truly, like, I'm not kidding you, right? Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now let me just caveat this. If two agree and pray, it will be done for them. So, some of you right now are thinking, I need to find somebody and start praying we win the lotto. (laughs) Right? Be careful. Let's put this in light of other scripture, right? If we just pray that we might consume it on our own lusts, 
His answer is no, James 4, 1, right? So it's not just about get together and agree. You have to make sure you're abiding with him in the midst. John chapter 15, if we abide with him, then whatever we ask, and his word abides in us, whatever we ask, he'll do. That's what he's talking about. Abiding believers, grasping his passion, understanding his word, praying for it with all they've got. Lord, we long for you to be showing your face. Transform lives here. Prayer. That's what we're talking about. Where two or three are gathered praying like that, God answers. Notice it says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Right here this morning, are you gathered here to worship him with all you've got? He is gathered here with us. And he's excited about his name being shown off, about glory and holiness being lifted up. I'm telling you, these are the passages you cannot walk past. We must love with all we've got. We must care with all we've got. The elder board, we take it very seriously. Uh, We'll just say this. There's three D's the elders cover. Doctrine, discipline, and direction. This would be under that discipline word. I hate the word even because it kind of sounds rough and you might have the wrong definition. But we're loving people back to a holiness with him. All right? That's what it looks like. My request to you is join us in that run. I'm not sure I'm really up for this Matthew 18 thing. I don't really want to sit under it. Okay, here comes a harsh phrase. We are. This is where we're going as a church. The eldership is very committed to this. And if you can't sit under this, this may not be your home. God loves this passage just as much as he loves every other passage in this scripture. And we're going to abide by it with all we've got. Gently, carefully, and lovingly. Now, two ways this has been misused. I'm just going to end with this. Number one, uh, I don't do the thing where uh, uh, if they turn, we stop and celebrate. I just keep running to stage four every time. I'm going to make it public. I'm going to bring it out. I'm going to completely humiliate. It's going to take decades for you to go through this. I am never letting you off. That's not the point of this passage. See, that sounds like punishment, doesn't it? This passage is about loving restoration, not punishment. And the moment they're done, we start restoring. And all of God's people said, that's what we're talking about. Hey, we're all wrestling with our stuff. Let's get real with that. And let's let God work in our lives. Lord, we're real about holiness. We're real about you having a hold of my life. And for those you've put around me, I take grave responsibility to be a part of it with them. I want to love on them and care for them that you might get the greater glory. Let's pray.